Good evening, brethren. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5. I want to look at verses 14 and 15 to begin our study tonight. Paul writes here, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. If Christ came and gave his life, then every one of us is a sinner. Every one of us is dead in trespasses and sins and has no life or ability to save ourselves. And that he died for all, that they which live, those in whom his life is manifested, that they should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So this is speaking to us who believe, how believers live. The children of God are constrained to faith, hope, and love by the love that Christ has for them. He works this life in them. He works these graces in them. He gives them his spirit who produces these fruits in us. Love, hope, love, uh, faith, joy, peace. And so what the spirit is teaching us is that the life of Christ, which is manifested in us now, he's showing this life in us and he's showing us that in him is life, and in this flesh is nothing but works of vileness and darkness, unbelief. They're, they're works of, of, that are worthless and don't produce and do that which is good and right. In fact, the things that we do in this flesh are the things that sake the wrath of God, which cometh upon the inhabitants of the world and for which cause Christ came into the world to save his people and to deliver us from that wrath of God. And so our Lord does this. He works this this love in us. He works these fruits in us through the hearing of faith. And he manifests his life in us. He teaches us. He strips us of this flesh, and he reveals Christ in us more and more. John the Baptist said it this way when his disciples came to him and said, Lord, it looks like, or they said, Master, it looks like this Jesus is baptizing more than you are. And John said to them, he said, well, he must increase and I must decrease. He must increase and I must decrease. And so that's what the Lord works in all his people. If he's going to manifest this life of Christ in us, we're going to decrease. And Christ will increase in us more and more. And after those words, which we just read, after those words, Paul is speaking to us about the ministry of reconciliation that our God has given to his church. I'll just read verse 18 there. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ 
and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And so the love of Christ teaches us and brings us not to love and to serve ourselves, not to do, not to serve this flesh, but to live unto him. He makes us ambassadors of his word, of his kingdom, of his salvation, of his glory, to preach, to declare, to proclaim what he has done for sinners. And he does this by giving us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gives us life through regeneration and and makes us to live unto Christ. He teaches us. Now turn over to Romans 8. Let's go to Romans 8, and we're going to look at verse 16 and 17. He says there, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Again, this life of Christ is manifested in us. We should not live unto ourselves, but unto Christ who gave himself for us and rose again. And if children, well, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And so your God makes us to know that we are his children, that we are heirs of God, and that we are joint heirs with Christ. And all the blessings of God in Christ are wonderful, glorious blessings that teach us, that give us joy and hope in him, fellowship with our God. But there's a component spoken of here of suffering. He speaks of suffering here in that those verses that we just read. For these blessings, to know our Savior, to rejoice in Him, to live unto Him, and not live unto this flesh. While we're here in the flesh, Paul said, if we're children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. And so the promise of life and eternal inheritance with our Savior is coupled with suffering here now. Well, why do we suffer? Why do we suffer? Well, one thing, that it's through suffering. It's going through trials and through suffering that we learn not to live unto ourselves. That's where we learn the truth of what John the Baptist said when he said he must increase and I must decrease. I'm going to decrease. I'm going to become less and less and he's going to become more and more and that's the way it is in the life of God's people. And so Christ died to make us his own through blood redemption. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.15 once more. And that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. And so again, let me say, he accomplishes this life in us through the gift of the Holy Spirit, and and the Spirit produces the life of Christ in us. We're dead in trespasses and sins by nature and Adam. But we now have the life of Christ in us, dwelling 
in us. And our Lord is teaching us that he uses suffering to bring forth those fruits in us which he has ordained for us in Christ. We are the workmanship of Christ. And he's ordained fruits in his people. And he brings that about through suffering. And so the purpose of this message is to help us understand this truth as believers who suffer, as we experience difficulties and setbacks or disappointments, astonishments, as we go through trials and sufferings and sorrows and troubles and and those afflictions, it's to comfort our hearts with understanding, to know my God has purposed this for me. He's given this to me. He died for me that the life of Christ would be manifest in me. And I have an inheritance in Christ. And Paul says, if so be that you suffer. That is, it's not that you've got to suffer to gain that. You have that. But he manifests this life in us, that we do have eternal inheritance in our God and Savior. And we see that through being, being manifested in us through that life, So that even as we go through sufferings, we see the life of Christ being manifested in us. So I've titled this, Do You Suffer? Do You Suffer? And so we'll look first at the purpose of suffering, and then we'll see a pattern of suffering which is given unto us in the scriptures and in us. So suffering and having trials and afflictions they are a relevant part of our lives here in the flesh. It's just so. We do suffer. We do have difficulties. We do have disappointments and sorrows. If you look at Acts 14, Acts 14, 21 and 22, verse 21 and 22, it says there, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. And so this is speaking of Paul and Barnabas who had gone out on one of their missionary journeys. And they were now heading back through the cities that they had already come through preaching the gospel and the Lord revealing believers. So Acts 14.22, it says, Now confirming the souls of the disciples. So as they're going back through, they were confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. Why did they have to exhort them to continue in the faith? Well, they were facing opposition. They were coming to difficulties. They were coming to trials that opposed them, that seemed to be difficult for them to, to go through, to endure. As believers, they were enduring new trials and new difficulties as such. And Paul said, and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And so understand that our God has appointed for us and ordained for us tribulations, oppositions, sorrows. He's ordained it for us. He's purposed to give us these things as we're journeying home as we're making our way through the wilderness to the inheritance which our God has given to us. 
We're going to be brought to that inheritance through much tribulation. And the Apostle Peter, when he was writing his first epistle, he tells us in that first chapter there, that in the first epistle, chapter 1, that God has wrought in us a living hope. He's given us life in Christ so that we hope now in our Savior. And he declares that we have an inheritance in Christ, telling us that it's reserved in heaven for you, that God is the one who is keeping us and preserving us through this life, bringing us to that inheritance. And he concludes this in verse 6 and 7, where he says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. This faith we have is can't even be compared to the value that men put on silver and gold. Things like that of substance. That's nothing compared to the faith that your God has given to you. That this faith, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And so we see there that Paul speaks of us having tribulations. Peter speaks of us having manifold temptations. James also, when he writes his epistle, right out of the gate, he says, Hello! And then he says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. That's verses 2 and 3 of the first chapter. So these troubles, these trials, these difficulties and sufferings, our God is telling us that he's given them to us because they work for our good. They're actually for our good. These, what we go through, these things appointed by God, they are for our good. And they, they are keeping us and turning us from the flesh to our Lord and Savior. And so we're going to suffer for Christ's sake, and it's going to come in the form of diverse temptations. That's how, how James wrote it. Peter worded it, manifold temptations, which is the same word. Diverse, manifold, various sorts, various colors, various characters. That's what it's saying. It's going to come in all shapes and sizes. And from all different directions, in all different ways, these things come. So that it's like a motley assortment of troubles, of provings, of adversities. We're going to have a various sort of these things that try us. And we shouldn't think that our sufferings are light. When you're pressed and when you're heavy and when you're weighed down with these things, sometimes we might tell ourselves, well, why is this so difficult? Why does this bother me? Why is this a trouble to me? Well, if it wasn't troubling you, then it wouldn't be a trial. It wouldn't be a temptation. It wouldn't be an adversity or a suffering. If you didn't care about it, then you wouldn't feel it, and it wouldn't mean anything to you. But God has purpose to bring things to his people which he knows and has purpose 
to try us, to press us, to make us to feel it, to be troubled, or, or to feel the opposition or the heat of it. And so it's not going to be a light little tickle that we just easily brush off. It's going to be things that are hard, that are difficult to experience. You know, Paul, Paul said, at one point he said, and I don't burn, I'm not suffering afflictions and adversities against me. When one man had him smacked in the face for speaking, he, he called that man a whited sepulcher. And then he had to retract that even when he found out that it was the high priest who had him smacked in the face. And so Paul had to bear those things. And he said, I, I burn not. I don't feel that. I feel it. <laughs> I feel it. I suffer. I sorrow. And so these are things that will provoke us in the flesh and if we react in the flesh, we're going to do fleshly things. We're going to bear those fruits of the flesh. Well, what do these fruits look like in the flesh? We'll turn over to Galatians 5. Galatians 5, and let's look at verses 19 through 21, where Paul gives us a list of just a few of the things, of the fruits of the flesh. He says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, those are all that the, 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 the seed of Adam knows. That's all they know, is how to operate in, in that realm. That's what they do, and they have no part, because we don't have any part in that inheritance. That's not our life anymore. Our life is Christ. And that's why we don't want to do those things, because we just have no part in those things. We're delivered from those things. Why partake in those things of death is what Paul teaches us. And so, even if you don't know all the words of what those mean, we know when we're lashing out in the flesh. And we know when we're turning on someone and trying to, to cause them harm. And Paul is saying that's, that's the work of the flesh. That's the work of the flesh. That's the fruits or the produce, right? They call in the supermarket, it's called the produce section. That's the produce of the flesh. That's the fruits that the flesh bears and how it operates. And so when you suffer or when you are tempted and going through a trial, you either manifest that produce or fruit of the flesh or you suffer it. Or you suffer it, you bear it, and you suffer with that pain, or with that sorrow, or with that, that opposition. You suffer it and instead produce fruits of the Spirit. You either produce what the flesh would have you produce, or you suffer it and you walk in the Spirit. Now let's look at, well before we go there, Galatians 5, 14 and 15. Look at that. 14 and 15, Paul says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if he bite 
and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. If you produce fleshly fruits, if that's where you, you want to dwell and that's how you want to operate and what you want to do, that's going to destroy one another. That's how you destroy one another. That's not promoting reconciliation. That's not promoting reconciliation. We want to be peacemakers and to reconcile. That's what we want. And so we've been given the spirit of our Savior. We've been given his life. And he's called us to serve him. And to he's given us this ministry of reconciliation. Don't forget that. Don't turn to the flesh. Turn away from the flesh. Look to the Savior. We're not in that flesh anymore. And that, and meaning that, that that's not our life. That's not our hope. That's not how we deal with troubles and difficulties. We have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. So trust your God in faith and in prayer. Turn to Him in prayer. And so we want to bear fruits of the Spirit. As Peter said, that we should show forth the praises of him who hath called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So let's, while we're here in Galatians, let's look at verse 22 and, and, and following. Galatians 5:22. He said, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. If you bear these fruits to somebody, who can charge you and say you're doing something wrong? There's no law against bearing these fruits. No one can say you shouldn't do that. Don't be nice to that person. Why not? What's wrong with that? Why can't I be kind and loving and patient and understanding and gentle There's nothing wrong with that. And they that are Christ's, he says, they that are Christ's, verse 24, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts, which were talked of up there in verses 19 through 21. If we live in the Spirit, well, then let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. (coughs) Right? Don't do those things. In fact, You know, I was thinking about this on the way over in Revelation 13, verse 10, where it talks about the the, just all that's going on in in this system of, of Antichrist, the things that go on in the world. Our Lord tells us, who are his people, who's uh Revelation 13, 10. He he tells us, well, first he says, verse 9, if any man have an ear, let him hear. And then he says, he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Those are fruits of the flesh. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And we see there in that, that's the fruit of the Spirit. And so, however difficult things get, we're encouraged to look to our Lord and to bear those fruits of the Spirit, patience faith. Believe the Lord because the things that are going to be are going to be. (laughs) And the trials that are to come are going to come and many who are their part in Adam 
they're going to bear the fruits of the flesh. But you that love Christ and have his life in you, he says, bear the fruits of patience and faith, the fruits of the Spirit. Trust your God is what he's, he's saying. Wait on him. And Paul even adds in Romans 8, 12 through 14, we read some of this before the message, but he said, Therefore, brethren, we're debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led of the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so when we go through trials and sufferings and difficulties and, 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 and the things which have been appointed for us, the fiery trial which proves our faith, don't perceive them in the flesh. Don't look at them in the flesh and say, I've got to do something about this. I've got to fix this. I've got to handle it in, in such and such a way. No, no, you don't. Look at it, approach it in, in the spirit. Be loving, be gentle, be patient, be understanding, be tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Be dear children, dear children is what he says to us. And so to do it, in, to, to respond in the flesh, that's unprofitable. And it certainly doesn't work towards that ministry of reconciliation which our God has called us to. <clears throat> so look at Romans 5 before we go on. Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. We see here how the Lord has appointed these trials and troubles, but he's also appointed these fruits in us. So Romans 5, verse 3. Paul says, Not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And so again, through these trials and troubles, we see the life of Christ manifested in us. And we see that death in ourselves, which He has given to us and worked in us by His grace and power through the trials, through the sufferings, to strip away those works of the flesh, where we are decreasing and the grace and glory and power of our God increases more and more all by his glorious power all by his working all by what he does in giving us the spirit and life in Christ now let's go on to the pattern here this bearing of fruits of righteousness it's impossible for this flesh of ours it's impossible it's impossible we can't do it so let's turn our eyes to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Him. When we see Christ, we see His faithfulness. We see His suffering. We see His suffering, which He, which he suffered in Himself for the redemption, for the purchase of you, His people, to give you life, to restore you in grace and fellowship in the Lord, to know him to 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 trust him till we receive that inheritance in him 
of which we have, which were made partakers even now. We're told in Isaiah 53, 7, that Christ was oppressed, that he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. And so Christ did this for us, even while as yet we were enmity against God, dead in trespasses and sins, sinners, sinners against the true and living God, when we were hateful and hating one another. Yet he suffered. And he died for his people in order to accomplish, to, to work that salvation for us, to reconcile us to God. Peter, 1 Peter 3.18, he says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. He suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. And so we're, we're made alive. We died with him and we're made alive by him, by his life. He's given us his spirit. He's worked all the salvation for us and in us. He's done this work for us. And he tells us that it's to conform us to his death and to conform us to that life of Christ, to, to, to be made like unto our Savior. Turn over to Philippians 3.10. Let's see that. For Paul is, is, is declaring his hope. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I want that power of his resurrection life being revealed in me. But it comes with this as well. And the fellowship of his sufferings where we die in self being made conformable unto his death. So you that know Christ and want to know him more and more, you're going to suffer. He gives us sufferings and trials and troubles to strip away this flesh. And he takes us who are in earthen vessels that are corrupt and mortal, because through that, through these, the weakness of what we are in this flesh, he is glorified and praised and honored because he accomplishes the salvation in us. Now, again, we see another example. Paul was given as a pattern to them who should hereafter believe on Christ to life everlasting. So that when Paul was called by the Lord and, and the Lord was sending Ananias, a believer at that time, to go to Paul and to preach the gospel to Paul and and, and it says in, he didn't want to go. He didn't want to go to Paul. But the Lord said, you go. And in Acts 9, 15 and 16, the Lord said unto Ananias, Go thy way, for this Paul, he's a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And so Paul was used of the Lord and sent to the Lord to bear many sorrows, many sufferings against him, many offenses against him. The man was beaten with rods, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, he went hungry, naked. He was, he was, he was treated very poorly, very inhumanely by his countrymen and in the Gentile lands as, as well. 
and his life, his whole life was filled with suffering for Christ's sake, but he was used mightily of the Lord. And even, even the church, in many ways, gave him some of his most difficult and, and challenges and hardships came from the, from the professed believers there. They were questioning his validity as an apostle. They would come in to, to, to turn the churches that he had brought the gospel to, to turn them from him. And they, they looked at his life, the fact that he was in prison numerous times. They counted that against him. They, they looked at that as something shameful for Paul. They held that against him. It was a shame. And they would use it as an excuse to put him out of their mind and just, just wanted him to go away. And so they would do things to cause more suffering for Paul. And look at, turn over to 2 Timothy, and we see that. 2 Timothy 1. Verses 15 and 16. Paul writes to Timothy saying, This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. Well, that means at one point they stood with Paul. But here they're all turned against Paul. They turned away from him. Of whom, he says, are Phrygellus and Hermogenes. And he goes on saying, The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. There's that chain. And he speaks of it often in the letters of, his, of a bond or a chain. He's referring to that same thing, that, that which, which many used against Paul and counted it a shame to him. And those names, Phygelus, Hermogenes, and Onesiphorus, they're recorded in, in some very old documents from that time as being from among the 70 that the Lord sent out to preach the gospel in the villages in Jerusalem. Those names, Phygelus, Hermogenes, and Onesiphorus. And so two-thirds turned away from Paul. Two-thirds turned away from Paul in this. And that hurt. I'm sure that hurt Paul. That was a suffering that Paul bore because they didn't like what he said. They didn't like what he said against Moses. They didn't like what he said about circumcision. And they, they, I don't think they liked the, the, the hope that he gave to the Gentiles who were children of faith as are all the children of God. They're children of faith. They come in faith. Now look at Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. And look at verse 19 and 20. Here we see it again. Ephesians 6, 19 and 20. Paul said, pray for me, and, or, and for me, he asked for prayer, that utterance, and I've got to preach the gospel, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein, in my bonds, in my suffering, in the trials, in the adversities, in the things which man counts to be a shame and a sorrow or, or something against me, that therein I may stand up and preach the gospel boldly, that I may make known the mystery of God as I ought to speak. And so Paul saw that through the sufferings, through all the things that the flesh counts to be setbacks and, and too much, Paul said, I've got, I've got 
a ministry which has been given unto me, a ministry of reconciliation to preach this gospel faithfully to the Lord's people. Pray that the Lord help me to do that. That's what, what he says. Now let me show you one more. Philippians 1, go to Philippians 1, verse 12. Paul, while under arrest there, and having this bond on him, he found reason to rejoice in it. He said, but I would have you understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds, this chain I have in Christ, are manifest in all the palace and all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of good will. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. You know, Paul wasn't comforted in this suffering, here, in, in this trial. He wasn't comforted because he found only good motives in it. He understood the heart of man. He knew that men do things for all different kinds of reasons. And he understood that there were enemies who sought to make things harder for him, but he rejoiced knowing that Christ still rules. Christ still sits on the throne. Christ is the sovereign Lord God Almighty, and nothing can thwart the will and the purpose of our God. And Paul rejoiced in that. And he understood, as we'll see as we read on a couple more verses, that these sufferings would mean a fresh supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So look at verse 18 and 19. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. There will be times of refreshing. You that are patient, you that believe your Lord and trust him, who cry out, Abba, Father, by the spirit of adoption which he's put into your hearts and the life which he's given to you, there will be times of refreshing. He promises that. He gives his people his blessing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in closing, I want to come back to 2 Corinthians. Let's stop at verse at chapter 5, and then we'll, we'll go into 4. In 5, we began our message quoting Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15. Speaking of our Lord, he said, And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them, and rose again. And then we were looking at how our God in his wisdom has seen fit to give us trials, sufferings, things which accomplish the death of this flesh that the life of Christ may be manifest in us. He's appointed these things for our good to produce not the fruit of the flesh, but to bring out those things which praise and glorify God, our Savior. He's accomplishing that in us. Now, how do we mortify the flesh? Because right? Paul speaks of that in Romans 8, when he says mortify, that if you by, 
by the Spirit mortify the deeds of the flesh, you shall live. How do we mortify the deeds of the flesh? I don't know how, how we do that, because we don't do that. We don't do that. But by the Spirit, we are turned to be patient, to wait on the Lord, to believe the Lord, to trust Him, to have faith in Him, to love those who would sin against us, to be kind and gentle, to be tender-hearted to them, to walk in the Spirit, which He's given unto us, to, to, not, to not respond in the flesh when, when difficulties come. So look at 2 Corinthians 4. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8. Paul says, We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Why do these things happen? Why do things seem to go the other way? I don't know, but we trust the Lord. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but our God has not destroyed us. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Our God does this, where we die in his flesh, that His the fruits of his spirit are made evident by his grace and power. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. He's allowed these trials, given these trials, appointed these trials for this very purpose. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. So that God uses these trials and these sufferings and difficulties to teach us in the heart. And being taught in the heart, you're taught in the heart. You're taught by the Spirit so that you're blessed and comforted by His Word as He's teaching us. And as He comforts me, for example, in the Word, you're able to be comforted by that. And you're able to hear, my God is, is, is wonderful. He's caring for all things. He's providing everything. He's, <laughs> nothing's outside of his control or beyond his reach. He's purposed this and given this for our good. And there's always an occasion of a fresh supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ to you who suffer. He comes and comforts you. And so we see that Christ has suffered, the Son of God, when he came in the flesh, laying down his life, to put away the sins of his people, to obtain our forgiveness, to obtain the gift of the Spirit for us, to give to us life in himself, to know him, to be restored, to be reconciled to our God, being redeemed by his blood. And he came in the flesh, and he was, was betrayed by a friend, and he was, was rejected by his own countrymen, who took him and, and put him on a tree to put him to death. But God was in it. And through that, God worked the salvation of all the children of God. So man means a lot of things for evil, but God means it for your good, for your good and for your comfort, even our redemption. And so we see it in Christ's suffering, how he wrought all our lives. <laughs> and then we see it in... The church, we see it in the apostles and the early church who came and they suffered and they laid down their lives. 
They gave their lives and suffered for the gospel's sake. Why? That the truth of the gospel should remain with you, even to this day. You have the truth of the gospel because men and women were made willing to suffer, to die for Christ, and that the life of Christ should be made evident in them. And so, in closing, I'll just read Hebrews 12. You could turn there. Hebrews 12, starting in verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Don't be discouraged by the things which you suffer. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, you too are going to inherit eternal glory in your Savior soon enough. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. For ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Do you suffer? It's for your good. Then believe him in the midst of all your trials, and pray for a supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ to be sent unto you and to your brethren, because our God does everything for our good. And so I pray that he comfort your hearts with that.